So Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 4, Ecclesiastes 2 and verse number 4. The Preacher, which is the other title of this book in my Bible, I'm looking at the heading of this chapter and it says Ecclesiastes or the preacher so the preacher says this I made me great works I builded me houses I planted me vineyards and I I want you to notice as we read these next couple of verses you can tell there's a problem here because of the pronoun. Because he's taking credit for everything that has been done. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water there with the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born In my house also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before, where of all that were in, where above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great. (laughs) We know scripture tells us you better be careful when you are built up and great in your own eyes. I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. He said, anything I wanted, I got it. Anything I desired, I I got it. I had the ability, I had the resources to get it, and so I got it. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor I had labored to do and behold, after all of that, after all of the things he did, after all of the things he had gotten, after getting everything he wanted, I don't know of anybody that's in this room today or anybody that's watching online that I know personally that you have the resources to get anything you want to get. And Solomon had that ability. Not only did he have that ability, he said, I did it. I got whatever I wanted to get. And after all of that, this is his conclusion. Vanity and vexation of spirit And there was no prophet under the sun. You skip down to verse 17. Therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me 
And he says the same thing here. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. The New Century Version says verse 11 this way. But then I looked at what I had done and I thought about all the hard work. Suddenly I realized it was useless. Like chasing the wind, there is nothing to gain from anything we do here on earth. So I want to preach to you for a little while this morning on this subject. Which son are you under? Which son are you under? Father, we thank you, whether we are gathered in this sanctuary or those that are watching right now in their homes or other locations, we thank you for your presence that is not limited to a location. We thank you for the way in which you've already touched us. We've already felt the peace and the encouragement, the safety that is in your presence. God, I pray now, Lord, and every time we come together, every time we have church, We need to hear from you. God, I don't believe that there is any service we ever come to that we should just take it for granted. But God, there are times and seasons that we are in that it seems like even more than other times we need to hear from you. And God, I believe, I believe as the pastor of this congregation that this is one of those days. And so I don't take this opportunity, I don't take this moment lightly and I don't want to preach a sermon today, God. I don't want to just simply preach a sermon to try to take up time, not only in this service for those of us that are here, but because that's what's expected by those that are watching. But I pray, God, I pray, in fact, if I've ever been a conduit for you to speak through, would you let me be that today? That it would be clear, God, that a word from you is being spoken to us and not a sermon In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I trust you and depend on you for your anointing today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Those of you that are already sitting down in your recliners, don't get too comfortable and fall asleep. I know, and I think you probably ought to know, hopefully you know that this is the first part of the message. <laughs> Say, preacher, we, we're already struggling. You're going to make it worse. We've got to be honest and realistic before we can get to the solution. Solomon, after all of that, after accumulating everything he wanted to do, after building everything he says he wanted to build, after getting anything he wanted, he comes to the conclusion that it is all, not just some of it, but it is all vanity and vexation of spirit. And there is no profit under the S-U-N. There is nothing really of worth and value under the sun. That word vexation in the Hebrew means longing or striving. 
It is a feeding upon, a grasping after. After everything he says that he accumulated, after everything he had gained, he says it's all vexation. What he's saying is, after I have achieved everything I have have achieved, after I have gained everything I have gained, there is still a longing in me for more. I still want more. I, I, I'm not satisfied. If you've ever had the opportunity, privilege, I guess you could call it, uh, in one context, but if you've ever had the opportunity to buy a brand new vehicle, I've been fortunate enough several times to be able to do that. You drive it off the lot and Man, you keep that thing clean. You got it shining on the outside and clean on the inside. But I I don't know about you, but there's something that kind of clicks and changes when it gets the first scratch or the first ding. In fact, the last, not the car I'm driving right now, but the one before that, it was literally like within a couple of days of getting it somehow, I don't know if it was in a parking lot or what, but somehow there was a little ding on the driver's door. I don't know why it couldn't have been on the other side, because I could have forgotten about it. But it was on my door, and so every time I went to get in the car, I saw that, and it reminded me that, you know what, this car cannot bring me happiness. Most, I would say most Americans, let me put it that way, when it comes to especially our shoes, most of us don't wear our shoes out. That's why there's Goodwill and other places like that because we wear them until we want another pair. Or for the young folks, you wear them until the next new shoe comes out. I don't know what it is nowadays. I don't keep up with it. But when I was a teenager, we were a part of the original Jordans. Man. Got to get some Jordans. And and for those that got them, that was great until the next pair of Jordans came out and this pair's not good enough anymore. How about how about video gaming? I I literally remember some of the first video games I played. We there was a football game on it. And the players were literally, not figuratively, they were literally X's and O's. You don't understand that terminology, then I don't have time to explain it. Find a sports person, they'll help you out. And nowadays, and my wife has said it a bunch of times, walking into a room where, where my son and sometimes my son and I are playing a, 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 a video game, but the only game I can play at half decent is FIFA. And so every now and then he and I'll play and, and you, and the broadcasting, if you've never experienced it, it's kind of it's kind of weird, I tell you. Because they'll say stuff that is absolutely perfect for the moment. You're like, man, this is I don't know about this. But the players look identical to the real players. And yet, anybody here still have by choice a, a Super Nintendo and that's all you use? Because that's what you know. 
Oh, I know there's been kind of, I think Super Nintendo's the one recently. There have been a couple people buying them and trying to get them online. But why, why is it around Christmas time every year they come out with new models? Because the old is no longer good enough when there's something else. And Solomon's saying, I was always longing for more. I got whatever I wanted, but once I got it, it wasn't good enough. It didn't last very long. So it was vexation. He says it was vanity. That word vanity basically just means emptiness. And he says that everything, all things under the sun, there's no profit in them. He, he actually starts off, you want to talk about a great start to a, to a book in the Bible if you... If you, if you go back to chapter 1, he starts off the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And, and here are his first statements after, his, after that greeting. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Everything is empty under the sun. S-U-N. You find the word vanity in the in the English, in the King James Bible, you'll find it 33 different times in the book of Ecclesiastes. 33 different times does he say the word, or does he use the word vanity. There's only 10, excuse me, 12 chapters total in the whole book. And 33 times he says vanity of vanities. Ecclesiastes 12 and 8, he says, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. 12 and 13, oh, I'm not ready for that yet, sorry. Vanity of vanities, all, all is vanity. Everything is empty under the sun. Everything under the sun is empty. I don't know about you, but one of the things that has, has, has stirred me in these last couple of days is this idea that under the sun, S-U-N, everything is empty. We have seen things in this last week that some things that have never happened before. One of those things... March Madness. March Madness started in 1939. 1939, March Madness, the NCAA tournament started. Since 1939, this is the only time it has ever been canceled. Major sports leagues canceled, postponed. Things that we get so wrapped up in. Things that we live our lives for. We have seen more than ever before. I've preached before how, how this is the case, but I gotta tell you, we're living it right now. I, we, we were supposed to be in Florida by now. We were supposed to leave Last evening, at some point after the wedding yesterday, and we were going down to Florida for spring break. And I got to tell you, I was ready for a break. 
been a lot of things going on, a lot of good things. I was just ready for a little bit of a break. I wasn't supposed to be here. But everything under the sun is empty. It's not lasting. It is not reliable. So the wise man says it's all emptiness. It's all emptiness. Everything that you and I can achieve and accumulate in this life is empty. I know, I, I, I think I said this in the video yesterday, but I'll say it again. I, we, sometimes we get so focused on what we are going through that it can get so magnified and we can forget the fact that not only whatever the situation is, there's probably somebody right then and there that's got it worse. But you know what? I, I'm sorry we've had it so good for so long in this country and, and now we think it's so bad, but even in this Forget the history of other countries throughout the history of the world, but just this country's history alone, there have been a lot more challenging times than we are facing right now. Lines to simply get toilet paper is a lot different than lines trying to just get food. (laughs) The crisis of no hand sanitizer is a lot different than the crisis of where am I going to get some food to put on the table for my children. I'm not minimizing what we are facing or what any of you may be facing. But my point is, I do think we always need to take a pause and step back and go, you know what, it may not be easy, it may not be good right now, but there are others that have been through worse. And part of the reason to do that, especially from a scriptural context, is if God brought them through whatever that was, God can bring me through whatever this is. I'm not here to heap depression and discouragement on you or anybody watching today. But I think we owe it to ourselves to hear the words of the preacher in Ecclesiastes. And to to take advantage of the season that we are in to realize, you know what, everything in this life really is temporal. That's what the Apostle Paul said He said, we don't look at the things that are temporal. Because the things that are temporal are temporary. But we're looking at the things that are eternal. Because they don't change. God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as believers, our eyes should not first and foremost be on what it is we can see with our natural eyes. It ought to be what we can see with our spiritual eyes. Because God does not, will not, cannot change. He remains the same. I, I, I have to be honest with you, I, the verse I'm about to read, I've preached it. In fact, I've preached it a number of times in my years of youth ministry. It was always, a, it was always seemed to be a really good verse and trying to use to communicate and challenge young people to commit their lives to walk with Jesus Christ and be dedicated to Him and but but I, the, the last couple of months, there's actually been a couple of times that I've, I've 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 thought of it in a little bit different perspective. 
after all of that, after everything, after 33 times of using the word vanity, after several times, I I haven't counted it, but there's several times where he makes the statement, vanity of vanities. The next to the last verse... In the book of Ecclesiastes, he says this, chapter 12, verse 13. After after vanity, vanity of vanities, vexation of spirit, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. After everything I've said, after everything I've told you about, after everything I've been through, let me, let me tell you the conclusion of all of it. Here's what our purpose is. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. First of all, it's sad that it's at the very conclusion after everything he said that he finally comes to the point. Here's the purpose of man. Fear God. Keep his commandments. After all the heartache and pain, after all the wasted time, he comes to the conclusion that this is the whole, this is, this is the whole matter. This is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments. That's that's everything life is about. And so from one context, I I think think there's there's obviously validity to that. But but here's here's the point that I find a little bit of a struggle with because it's not just about our duty. It's not just that it's our duty to fear God and keep His commandments. In fact, the... The scripture tells us we are to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind. That's really what our duty is because if we do that, everything else is going to fall in place. If, If the purpose and the focus of my life is loving God and having a relationship with Him, then then the the symptoms are going to take care of themselves. I'm not going to pursue everything that's vanity of vanities. We, we just yesterday again there was a wedding that took place here, and Eric and Kristen, and overshadowed to a degree by everything that's going on, and yet still a very wonderful, beautiful occasion. They they had they had honeymoon plans. They were supposed to be leaving today. Nobody would have ever thought months ago when they planned their honeymoon and made arrangements that ultimately they would cancel those plans. Who would have thought that? Empty. Empty. Do you know how many people are probably sitting today at home or somewhere else overwhelmed by the emptiness? Because everything they've lived for, everything they've put their their life into, everything they've given their energy to, you're realizing it's empty. It's empty. 
I'm, I'm a sports fan. I like sports. I like to play them. I like to watch them. There, there's, there, are, there are radio and television stations that are geared 100% to sports. Even in the middle of a sports season, they ramble on about stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> what are they going to do now? There's no games to talk about. There's no games to critique and analyze. It's empty. It's all empty. And I agree with Solomon. Under the sun, the S-U-N, everything is empty. Everything is vain. Everything is pointless. Because it is temporal. But I'm also glad to know today there's another sun. And when it comes to this sun, everything is not empty and everything is not vain. And when it comes to this sun, the bottom line, it doesn't matter what's going on under the S-U-N. When I am in, when I am under that sun, I find life and I find it more abundantly. I used this verse last week, and it's been a well-used verse in the last couple of days, I promise you. But Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's, that's under the sun. That's living a life under the sun. That's living a whole different life rather than a life under the S-U-N. Because under the sun, there is, under the life the Son of God has provided, there is peace and there is joy and there is hope. There is the assurance that no matter what goes on around me, no matter what happens in this life, I've, I've got hope. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Can I say it also this way? If the only hope we have is what's going on in this life, we are, we, I don't care if you are a believer, you ought to be miserable. Because my hope is not simply about this life. My hope is about the fact that ultimately, no matter what happens in this life, there is eternal life to come. And eternal life is not like this life where it's going to change and where it's going to be unstable and insecure. But there is an eternity that we have been promised in the Word of God that is something to look forward to with great anticipation and hope. There will be no more dying there. There will be no more heartache there. There will be no more pain there. There will be no more viruses and pandemics there. There will be no more hunger there. We sing it. What a day that will be. If we've ever sung it and believed it, we ought to believe it today. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day. What a glorious day that's going to be. Because I will know once and for all. I don't have to fear anymore. I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have to doubt anymore because I will be forever in the presence 
of God. First John 5 and verse number 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Solomon says, everything under the S-U-N is vanity and vexation of spirit. Everything under the sun that rises every morning and sets every evening, everything under that sun is empty. But John says, he that hath the sun, he that hath the sun hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He that hath not the Son of God has vanity and vexation of spirit. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. That's a big difference between what Solomon said. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Vexation of spirit, everything under the sun is empty. There's a big difference between those words and the words of John here. It says in the sun, there is life. There is life and that son said, I've come to give you life and not just life, but I've come to give you life more. Abundantly. There's a, there's a big contrast between those two. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 10, verse number 10. The King James says it this way, The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Living Bible says it this way, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. But my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. You know what is so sad? Solomon is considered to be the wisest man that ever lived. And that was in fact his prayer. God, you've given me a role of leading your people. You're you're making me the king and I don't know know how to do this. I don't know how to lead you. I don't know how to govern. I don't know how to guide your people. I, I need wisdom and the Lord responds. The Lord responds. Watch this. The Lord responds and says, because you asked for what you asked for. Not only am I going to give that to you, but but watch this. He says, because you asked for wisdom and you didn't ask for all of those other things, I am going to give you the wealth and the riches you could have asked for. How, How did Solomon go from that prayer and what God said to what we just read in chapter 2 where he gives all the credit to himself. 
God says, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to bless you with all these other things you could have asked for. But Solomon comes along and says, I, I did this, I did that, I, I got this, I accumulated that, I built houses, I planted, I watered, I got all, I, 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 I. That's probably the big part of Solomon's downfall. As he lost sight of the fact that I can't do anything without him. I can't breathe without Him. I can't live without Him. The only reason I can do what I do is because of Him. But His focus became Himself. I preached to people this morning that in spite of the circumstances, you see, it, 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 I believe, I, I think it's pretty, pretty certain, this is all going to pass. It's all going to pass. It's all going to pass, and, and, and probably a lot of people perhaps will not be directly affected. You may not get the virus. You may not have a loved one that gets it. And and so, you know what? On one hand, it's good to have hope that, you know what? This this isn't going to last forever. But there's a dangerous side to that as well. Ah, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. It'll, It'll all pass. And if your attitude is, it'll all pass, so I don't need to worry about it. I can keep living life the way I'm living. I, I said it last Sunday morning, and that was before national emergencies and state emergencies and all of that happened. It, 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 whatever ultimately happens with this circumstance, this situation, you got way more in life to worry about than this virus. And whenever it does pass, you still have a soul. Whenever it does pass, you still have a soul that has to spend an eternity someplace. And so if you decide to live your life simply for what can happen under the S-U-N, you are on course with a very empty life. But oh, my friend, if you make up your mind, my life is not about what happens under the S-U-N, but my life is about what happens under the sun and in the Son of God, then not only do you have eternal life, but He said, I'm also going to bless you in this life. And it won't be empty. It won't be vexation. The thief comes. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. But I've come that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. More abundantly. You know what's what's interesting? <laughs> Is the people, in, in a lot of ways, the people whose, whose lives, not about the dealing personally with the virus, but the people whose lives are being impacted the most are, are, are in, in some ways, I would say, those that have the most. Because the things that they live for, the things that their life is about, if, if nothing else, for a short period of time, but has been put on pause... I, I, I heard on the radio last night that one of the one of the NBA players that that was diagnosed to have this virus was and is now and isolated himself and working through it, you know. 
his, 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 his statement was, and, and I'm not trying to be harsh or unkind or judgmental or whatever, but his statement was basically, I, I can't wait to get back out on the court so I can play in front of the greatest fans in the world. Is that really what you're living for? Is that really all there is to life is the next thrill? The next high? whether that's a drug high or an emotional high off of some kind of activity or event. It's empty. It's empty. It's empty. It's, it is. I, I, I hope, I hope it, that if you're not living life under the S-O-N, I hope that this message makes you more depressed. I hope this message makes you more afraid. I hope this message is discouraging. <laughs> if you're living life first and foremost under the sun, S-U-N, living it for yourself, doing what you want to do, I, I hope that all you walk away from is, man, I, I feel worse now than I did before I heard him preach. I hope that. But I also hope that there's some of you that maybe that is really the life you're living right now. Is like the life Solomon was living and just accumulating and getting thrills and getting possessions and, and, and living for yourself. That somehow, not only just because of the circumstances we're in, but really beyond that, that God would get a hold of you. And you would decide, you know what, there is nothing worth living for in this life. But there is a life that I have access to. And that life is in the Son of God. And there is eternal life. And it's not just eternal life. But I have found throughout my time of walking with God, I've got hope for eternal life. I am looking forward to eternal life. But I've also had life more abundantly in this life. Because life has not been lived simply for this life. Vanity. Jesus said, and I, I'm closing. In John 4 and verse 13, he's met the woman at the well. This is the conversation he is having with her. Jesus says to her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I've used an analogy in the past. but I've actually had a funnel when I've done it. One of those big funnels, kind of long funnels, I guess for automobile stuff in particular. And 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 the way the way most of us live our lives is is you take the top of the funnel. And and the way we the way many people live their lives is by in the top part of that the the wide opening of the funnel putting in all of the things that seem to be ingredients for a good life. So money and family and pleasure and, 
and possessions. And, and, and it's, if we can get all of those things in there, then what's going to come out the other end is life. When it comes to real life, the way it works is opposite of that. You turn that funnel upside down. And in the small end of that funnel, there's only one thing that you need to put in there. Because when Jesus is the sole thing flowing into the funnel, what comes out is life. And life more abundantly. The ingredient you need. You know, life is not like baking. Got any bakers this morning? Any bakers that I can't see right now? I, I'm, 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 I love food. I love to eat. But I'm, not, I'm not skilled enough to know if I eat something you've made that, hmm, you, you, you forgot such and such. You forgot a certain ingredient. But, but you know, people that are, that are good bakers and have a good knack for it, they don't just, it, they, they may not remember that I forgot got to put something in it. It may not be until they take a bite and and they recognize, oh man, I I forgot. I forgot this ingredient. I for Can I tell you that that that's not that's not life. Life is not, you know, I got all the ingredients. Oh man, I forgot a little bit Jesus. Oh man, I, I had everything else right. I had all the ingredients I needed, but I, I didn't quite have a... No, no, no. You need one ingredient. And out of that one ingredient will flow life and life more abundantly. The kind of life that is not dependent upon circumstances. The, the kind of life that is not dependent upon this life. Everything being good and in order and everything going well, but a source of life that flows from the ultimate source of life. What, which side do you fall on today? Are you living your life under the sun where it's all vanity and emptiness and vexation? Where it's all just kind of worthless? Is is, is that the sun you are living under? Or have you surrendered your life to live under and in? And not only under and in, but ultimately Him living in you so that you have real life. Life more abundant. I, I'm not repeating myself because I've forgotten what I've already said. I just feel to make the point again. I'm not saying it will simply pass without more difficulties and hardships. I'm not saying it won't be a big deal. I'm not saying any of that. I don't know. Only God knows. But ultimately, it will pass. And you know, you know those that I that I that I am concerned for the most. 
whether it's an unbeliever or some that profess to be a believer, is that you make it through this crisis untouched, unfazed, unmoved. Because you know what happens when you go through circumstances and situations like this and you are not affected by it the way God wants you to be affected by it? There is a hardness. Somebody needs to hear me right now, whether it's somebody sitting in this sanctuary or you're watching online. There, there, is, there, is, a, there is more of a callousness that comes. Yeah, you know what? I, I made it through that. It wasn't a big deal. I, I'll get through the next thing. You see... There's basically one of two responses you can have to the grace of God. One of those responses is, because of God's grace and patience, you react and say, see, God doesn't really care. If God really cared, He'd he'd punish me. If God God really was upset with what I'm doing and how I'm living, he, he He would punish me for it. The other reaction is the reaction you're supposed to have. And the scripture tells us that it's the grace of God that leads us to repentance. It is God's patience. It is God's long-suffering that is not supposed to cause us to think God really doesn't care and I can just do whatever I want to do. It's God's patience and long-suffering that is supposed to cause us to go, you know what, He has every right to zap me right now, but He's not. So I I think I'm going to take advantage of this moment and this opportunity to change. It's kind of like when you... We're way past this stage now, but when we had small kids... Kind of give them that look that says, you need to stop. Or then you say, you need to stop. And sometimes they mistake your patience and long-suffering as the fact you really don't mean it. We were, we were I don't remember if Timothy was born yet or not. He, he may have been. Uh, but Esther was probably, I think, about two or three years old at the most. So Elizabeth would have been around four we were sitting at the dinner table one evening, and, and I don't remember what Esther was doing, but it was very funny. I don't, she was like throwing food or spitting food, or I don't remember. It, it was funny, and we were laughing. Like Elizabeth, my wife, and I, we were all laughing. But finally, enough was enough. And I'd tell her to stop, and I'd laugh. I'd tell her to stop again, and I'd laugh. And finally, I told her, I will spank you while I'm laughing. But you better stop. If we're not careful, God's patience. God's patience causes us to say, maybe I can push the limits a little bit farther. I'm I'm trying to quit. I really am. Good thing is, some of you, you got nowhere to go. You're already home, so. I just, I know there's not a very big crowd present in this building, so I kind of hesitate to say this, but it's not just somebody out there that the Lord's trying to talk to right now.
There's some people in this room right now. You're not careful. You're misinterpreting God's grace and patience that He doesn't really care. You push a little bit farther. You push the limit a little bit farther. I'm sorry, as discouraging and depressing as it may sound on one hand, Solomon had it correct. From a natural perspective, everything in this life is empty and vain. Say, brother, you don't have a good marriage? Yeah. You don't have a good relationship with your kids? Absolutely. But the reason it's so good is because that's not everything I'm living for. That is the product of my life in Him and my relationship with Him. And that makes all of that better. Wherever you are, whether you're present here in this sanctuary or you're someplace else watching, before we dismiss this service, I want to encourage you. Could we just take a few moments? If you're already living life under the Son of God, in the Son of God, the Son of God, the Spirit of God is living inside of you, you're already living that way, then would you just take a few moments and let Him remind you and let you have a few moments to sort of let that determination that that's what your life is about be strengthened. Let your resolve be strengthened. But if you're if you're listening right now and you know you'd be willing to acknowledge if you're being truthful that your life is really being lived for what's under the S-U-N. It's being lived for this life. Not simply to be reactive to circumstances that are going on in our world, but ultimately, hopefully, to be responsive to the Spirit of God. Would you take some time right now and perhaps even make a decision right now. God, I'm not going to keep living my life first and foremost for this temporal life. God, it's about you. It's about living my life surrendered to you. I want the life that is in the Son the life that is provided by the Son of God. I want the life that comes as a result of the Spirit of God dwelling and living in me. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray today by Your grace, whether it's whether it's those that are already believers or those that are not, that You're trying to work in their lives. Don't let our hearts become calloused and hardened. Don't let us become numb to the things that you allow in our lives, whether it's things that we deal with, such as we're going through right now that are a national, worldwide situation. Because God, when all of that fades away, we still are dealing with stuff in our lives individually. Things that you are doing and allowing in our lives individually to bring us to the point where our life is ultimately about being in you. Help us today. 
Help us today. God, the only true source of life is in you. There's no life that we can build through human efforts. There's no temporal life that we can work to build, God, that can bring true peace and joy. But oh, the life that you've made available to us in you. Oh, the life you have provided to us that is life more abundantly. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray as we close, not only for our sake individually, would you help us to renew to commit to a life that is in you. But God, we live in a world, we live in a world that many people relate to what Solomon said, that this life is vanity, it's empty. There's no real fulfillment, there's no real joy, there's no real purpose. That's all they know, God. But there's many of us today that know that there is so much more. So God, not only for our own personal benefit, but also for the sake of a world that whether there's a crisis going on that affects everyone or not, we're still in the midst of a world that needs to know there really is life that can be had in you. Let us be that light that shines into the darkness. Let us be that voice that brings hope to the hopeless and peace to the fearful. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise God, praise God those of you again that have joined us here today but also those that have been a part of this service online somewhere thank you for being a part this morning I pray that throughout this service God has touched you with his presence I pray that if you have been battling fear or anxiety in any way that the peace of God has swept over and will continue to sweep over you in the course of the next few days and weeks. But even again, once all of this passes and life goes back to whatever degree of normalcy it may go back to, that you continue to live in the peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, God bless you forward to seeing and connecting with you over the next couple of days and weeks in Jesus' name.